everybody. This is Chris. And Kathy. We wanted to take a minute to thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate every listener and are grateful for this platform. Please help us share our vision by subscribing to our show through your favorite streaming app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. Check out our ever-growing list of affiliates and sponsors. Simply go to the show notes for information and links. And be sure to use our promo code PETPOD22, that's P-E-T-P-O-D-2-2, on checkout to receive your discount from our affiliates. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Alon Landa, CEO of MedcoVet, and I'm a proud sponsor of PetAbility. We decided to partner with Chris and Kathy because, like them, we want to empower all pet owners who are trying to do the most for their pets. At MedcoVet, we specialize in advanced home laser therapy for pets. Laser therapy is a safe and effective treatment for common conditions like arthritis and wounds, and it relieves pain for most conditions caused by inflammation. With MedcoVet, pet owners can perform this treatment at home while receiving support from experienced clinicians. If you think your pet would benefit from healing at home, visit MedcoVet.com, and one of our clinical experts will work with you to determine if home laser therapy is the right fit for you and your pet. Tell them PetAbility sent you. Welcome to PetAbility. I'm your host, Kathy Simons. And I'm your host, Chris Cranston. Our podcast provides interviews and information to help your pets live their best lives. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing today? Good morning, Kathy. I'm actually very well. I'm very relieved. Uh, we just moved to a new home after about nine months of trying to get there. So we've been in the new house about two days, lots of boxes around, but wow. I'm happy to report because everybody is asking, how are your dogs doing with all this transition? They love it. Fantastic. They love the new house. So I'm so happy about that. I was worried about them too, Chris. And you know what you could do with those leftover boxes, your moving boxes? Foraging boxes. You could turn them into enrichment. That is so true, which maybe we should put a plug in for our sponsor. Oh, yes, please do. Yeah. So it's called a dog's best life box. And we have all the information on our show notes. And if you use the code pet. Pod 22, all capital letters, when you order your dog's own enrichment kit, you get a 10% discount, you get a cool little treat pouch with a squeaker, and it's got so many phenomenal things. So you can do a one-time, you can do a quarterly, you can do a annual subscription, you can do a monthly. It's just awesome. Anything you want to say about that, Kathy? Enrichment, enrichment, enrichment. <laughs> we love it. So Chris, uh, have we got a show today? I had the great pleasure of meeting a gentleman the other night, and his name is Christian Brunel. And he is the rep for Pulse Vet Shockwave. And um, just FYI, Christian says he's a big fan of Petability. So thank you, Christian. We love to yeah. hear that. It was really exciting to hear that you were a fan. We love Self, that. Self-proclaimed number one fan. So I yes, challenge yes. all you others out there <laughs> to try to right. see if you've listened to more episodes than Christian, because I think he's right. listened to about every one. And we have over <laughs> 70 at this point. Right. In any case, I was at a lunch and learn with him. And I was really excited to learn more about Shockwave Therapy. And I don't know if you remember this, Chris, back in the earlier days when we were just starting out as rehab practitioners, we were introduced to shockwave therapy and um, we all got treatments, right? 
Right. How and, could I forget? Yeah. And although we, <laughs> I think we all reported that we had good results, but it, remember, it was kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it was a little difficult to get owners on board with that because, you know, we had to talk about sedating their dogs or maybe putting them under anesthesia. And so, although it was a, a good option for treatment, it was a little bit of a difficult you know, sell. Um, I remember it was done, it was like yesterday and it was probably, you know, over 15 years ago Yeah. Um, back when we were working together. And uh, I was, it was done on my forearm mm-hmm. and I think I have, you know, pretty good pain tolerance, in, but it was a, it was an interesting feeling. Right. I mean, I wouldn't say like pain in the traditional sense, yeah. but again, because our pets are nonverbal, it's hard to explain like, right. this is going to feel weird. Yeah. Right. But anyway, fast forward. Yeah, things have changed so much. <laughs> things have changed so much. And I'm really excited to talk about it. We treated uh, the cutest little tender soul uh, with the with the uh, pulse vet shockwave during the lunch and learn, little Phoenix who has back pain. And um, I was worried because he's Is Phoenix so, a dog? Yeah, Phoenix okay. is a little Shih Tzu. He's wonderful. Ah. His back pain. He did the whole treatment in my lap. He he sat very comfortably the whole time. We talked to him, we pet him. He just he just sat very comfortably the whole time. So I said to Christian, "Shock me! I, I want to know. I want to know what it feels like." And it was fine. It was it was really very comfortable. It wasn't uncomfortable at all. And the treatment time was significantly shorter than I remember. You know, in the, in the old days, right? So now, immediately as a CCRP, as a rehab person, I'm like, think about all the applications that we could use this for. Dogs with hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, part of our pain management program, you know, osteoarthritis, um, those frustrating tendinopathies. We all know how to, oh, we know how frustrating those are. So I was really excited to to learn this as you know about all the applications that we could use this for. So, in any case, what happened after that is that Christian introduced me to Dr. Jennifer Petucci, who is a veterinarian on the PulseVet team. And she very graciously um, accepted our invitation to be interviewed today. So uh, Dr. Petrucci is going to tell us all about shockwave treatment. What is it? How does it work? Who's a good candidate for treatment? And what what can we expect um, as outcomes? So we're going to touch on all of that today with Dr. Petrucci. But before we get started, let me just give you a little bit of uh, background on Dr. Uh, Petrucci. She is a graduate of The Ohio State. Uh, go Bucks, Dr. Vitucci, go Bucks. <laughs> After graduating, she spent two years in private practice before purchasing a small animal practice. And it was her love of geriatric patients and improving their lives that inspired her to get her certification in canine rehabilitation. So she's also a, a canine rehabilitation therapist. And now she is a proud member of the Pulse Vet team. So let's please welcome to the show. Dr. Jennifer Vitucci. Welcome, Dr. Vitucci. Thank you both so much for having me. I am so excited to be here, and I was very, very honored to be invited by both of you onto the podcast. So thank you so much. I'm excited to share all things Shockwave today with um, you guys and the listeners. I need to say that uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you in person which Kathy did not. Um, so I'm I'm the truly lucky one. So I met both. She, she professionally goes by Dr. Jen, Dr. Jen and Christian at a continuing education dinner just this past week. And like Kathy, I was really impressed. And, you know, I guess I just want to get right into it about, you know, 
how do you explain to someone who's never heard of shockwave? I mean, even the name sounds a little bit scary. You know, what is shockwave treatment? I know it has a terrible name. And I'm not exactly sure where that started many, many years ago, but it has a scary name, but it is simply a term for a high energy sound wave. So that's all that a shockwave is. It's literally just sound energy that we're talking about. And I think when we had the the dinner that night, you said something about equating it to thunder and lightning. Yes. Yeah, so my favorite example um, that I stole from my coworkers, of course, is lightning and thunder. So lightning is an electrical impulse that actually changes the pressure of the air around it. And that's what causes the sound of thunder. And so when you wake up in the middle of the night to that big boom of thunder, I live in Florida, so we have thunderstorms all the time, and you will often feel your walls shake or your windows shake or the water next to your bed. And that is literally sound energy that's being deposited into the walls of your house. So that's all it is. It causes that vibration um, as the sound energy hits hits anywhere in your house, your roof, your walls, your windows. So in the case of shockwave therapy, those sound waves are hitting the body and creating changes. And I'd also like to to say what it's not because, you know, we mentioned lightning, but shockwave, you said all it is is sound waves, but I want to make sure that our audience knows that it doesn't have a heating effect. It's not electricity. You're not being electrocuted or feeling an electrical impulse when it's applied, right? Correct. Yes. Nothing to do with heat, nothing to do with electric shock. It's just sound energy. And the way it works is it is transmitted superficially, right? So we go right over the skin and the sound energy gets deposited into the tissues. And we call it acoustic impedance, but it's anywhere that there's a density change, right? So as you're going through and you hit muscle planes or you hit the top of the bone or you hit a tendon or ligament, energy gets deposited along the way. And microscopically, it actually affects the cells on the cellular level. So those cells have compression and tensile forces applied to them. Um, I use the big fancy term, they squish a little bit. (laughs) And in response to that squishing, they release cytokines and growth factors for healing. So basically the sound energy, when it hits the cells, like it hits the walls of your house, when they squish and vibrate a little bit, it initiates the body's own healing process. That's what those cytokines and growth factors are doing. It's causing the body to start healing itself. So we're we're triggering the body's own repair mechanism. Correct. Exactly. So once we we've you know we've triggered the body's own repair mechanism, we've actually started a cycle of 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 healing and and maybe even long term long term improvement with with a variety of conditions, correct? Correct. So what when we say we've initiated that repair mechanism or I've initiated body's healing process, it actually is divided into some pretty specific things, right? So we're going to increase blood flow. And so it creates new blood vessels. The cells that line the blood vessels proliferate and expand. It causes vasodilation. So anytime you bring in blood flow to an area, right, we're going to bring in things for healing and take out the bad stuff. And then it's also going to help control pain and inflammation. So it's actually going to block some pain, decrease inflammation in that area. It stimulates cellular bone production. So it actually releases a growth factor that causes bone cells to grow. And then for tendons and ligaments, 
And I'll be very honest, you know, shockwave, as you guys were discussing, it, I mean, it began in human medicine, but in veterinary medicine, it began on the equine side because horses love to tear and injure what they call their suspensory ligament, right? It's those big ligaments in the back of their legs and they would rest them and they'd be in the stall for like a year and the horse looked really great. And then they let the horse go back to work and it immediately would re-injure because when those tendons and ligaments healed, they didn't heal back to how they started. They had like scar tissue and fibrous tissue and they weren't as strong. And what they found after shock waving these injuries is that tendons and ligaments actually returned to this very straight linear fiber pattern which made them stronger and much more resistant to re-injury. And so that's sort of where shockwave in the veterinary world all began. And then of course that transfers to other small animals and people and all sorts of other injuries. But it was really the ability to help with those tendon and ligament injuries that just take forever to heal. I get a referral from a veterinarian that, that says like, you know, bicipital tendonitis, I just want to run and turn the other <laughs> direction. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. Very, very challenging. Joke in people, right? It's better to break your ankle than sprain your ankle. Right. Because th that bone is going to heal a lot faster than all those tendons and ligaments that you just damaged. And so, like you said, whenever you get those shoulder lameness referrals, um, you just kind of put your head in your hands for a minute. Like, You're all like, right. Oh, I know. <laughs> but I'm so excited that we have an option. This is I know. amazing. Um, and it sounds like there's a variety of diagnosis and conditions that that we could use the um, shockwave therapy for. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, talking about the things that it does, right? Increasing blood flow and controlling pain and inflammation and all of that. So the things that we want to think about using it on our patients, besides tendon and ligament injuries, which are great ones, would be bone fractures. So anything that's a little slow to heal or something that we're managing in a bandage, right? So a toe break, a digit, a metacarpal, a metatarsal. It's going to speed up the time that that bone heals. Um, chronic pain and osteoarthritis, those are huge ones, right? So it's going to help control that pain and inflammation. And actually, the other thing that Shockwave has been shown to do is actually slow the progression of osteoarthritis. So, mm -hmm. you know, we all know when we see a patient today that has arthritis, if we take an x-ray and then we take an x-ray in a year, there's going to be some amount of progression, right? Once we're in the cycle, we're going. And so shockwave has actually been shown to decrease or down-regulate those inflammatory enzymes that are already in the joint. So it kind of helps to protect the cartilage and help that subchondral bone. Um, and really just besides symptom management, we're kind of helping manage the disease as well. It's good for post-op pain control and inflammation. And then a little side note, not especially important in the rehab world, but I always mention it because a lot of our patients are having granulomas mm. or some non-healing wounds. And this is actually a really good option for those as well. So I guess one thing to me that is glaringly missing from this list, Dr. Jen, is intervertebral disc disease. Because in my career, you know, I, I've had a lot of dogs in particular that have disc issues. And I'm just curious, is shockwave uh, indicated for discs? So acutely, no. 
We don't really have any research supporting that. And we're just a little bit nervous about putting energy directly into an unstable disk. And it's hard to do that study, right? Because we don't want to make anything worse on purpose. But chronic stable IBDD that sort of has that waxing and waning back pain, this is an excellent option for that. But acute IBDD, those like immediate down dogs, probably not the first treatment option I would think of the shockwave. It's more for chronic IBDD. And what I'm hearing there is this we don't know yet. Correct. So Okay, that that makes sense. Um, and and what about? I know you said back pain can it be used around the neck and head area. Yes, it can. So any you know, or the TL junction all along there and cervical issues. Yes, absolutely. Awesome, love it. Are there any other or any potential contraindications for shockwave therapy? So yes, the other big one that we talk about, similar to, I would say, your other modalities would be cancer. We don't really want to increase blood flow to a cancerous area in case risk of spread or anything like that. If it's palliative care, that's a different story. But the two big things are that acute IVDD right over that unstable disc because we don't know. And then cancer, we don't want to go over that either. Yeah. I wonder if there's any thought you know, for those those uh, animals that have osteosarcoma, like you said, palliative. You know, because that's so painful when they have mm -hmm. bone cancer. Do you do you know anything about that, Doctor Jen? Yes, I, anecdotally, we have quite a few doctors that use it with good success for that. And also, in my mind, it's going to help stimulate some bone growth. Not that we want to perpetuate the tumor, but you know, for fractures and potential right. things mm -hmm. like that, because that's always the other big fear, right? With the osteosarcoma, so. Right, it's a good right. option for palliative, especially yeah. for painful. And just to explain to our audience, so it's it's a tumor that, that grows in the bone and then can lead to a, a fracture because it weakens the bone at that site. So um, that's that's what we're kind of discussing mm -hmm. here. We've mentioned, you, you said it kind of started in horses. It seems like everything in the rehab world starts with, <laughs> with that point because right. there's a lot of money there. And... Um, <laughs> And they have a lot of, of issues. And then I know our little continuing ed thing that we had the other night, you know, specifically the title of it was, you know, Shockwave for Dogs and Cats. But earlier you mentioned kind of that general small animals. So can it be used across the board for, you know, as far as candidates that have these different issues, but maybe are different species? It can. Actually, a lot of the research is done in smaller pets, right? So rabbits and mice and rats and all the things. So anything that gets this indication, it's safe for even smaller animals than dogs and cats. Can uh, can we use this modality with other treatments? So uh, sometimes I have patients that come in a couple of times a week and I'm, you know, I'll do in my exercises in my range of motion. And oftentimes I'll use laser because I get good results with that. Uh, can I alternate them or use them in the on the same patient, the same day, or maybe in conjunction or alternate? Yes, to all of the above. So right. I have, even in my own practice, and then clinics now, they'll alternate. You know, if you're seeing them once a week anyway, you can put in the laser in between. There's mm -hmm. absolutely no harm in that. There's no harm in doing them the same day, except you're not really, it's not worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that a lot of people do is for the shockwave, maybe they pick the worst 
one, right? So maybe they pick like, oh, these hips are terrible or I have a shoulder tendinopathy. And then I use my laser or my acupuncture or whatever other modalities for the rest of the body, right? For those other sore spots, the compensatory areas, things like that. It's great to sort of include it in the whole treatment. In your whole treatment plan. You know, and it seems like when I was uh, doing the reading on it too, that a lot of the treatment, you know, for expected outcomes are not that many. So maybe a dog might have a response after two treatments or maybe a response after three treatments. Correct. So most, we say one to three treatments um, because a lot of patients are going to respond after one or two. If you have a tendon or ligament, I always tell people you're probably going to need three, right? Those just require a lot of healing. We really want to give it the max benefit, but chronic pain and OA and other things like that often respond really well to just one or two. Then that brings to mind the question of, let's say you do get great results, you know, after two to three treatments or even one, and then, you know, a year goes by and maybe you start seeing the same sorts of signs. Can you repeat that in a year, that, that treatment cycle? Yes. Okay. And sometimes if you want to do a maintenance, sometimes you only need to repeat one or you can repeat the whole cycle and just use it as, like you're saying, like maintenance, right? When the symptoms start to reappear, we can repeat it. Because we know it worked. And so, you know, maybe even, like you said, as soon as you, the pet owner sees the sign, nip that in the bud, and then you only need one treatment because Correct. you caught so you, it early. You can't over shockwave. No. You can't. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say on the horse side, right? As we were talking about before with all the money you know, they will shockwave from top to bottom on those horses. I bet they enjoy it. I bet the horses like it. I bet it feels really good to them. They do. They start to relax. We actually was just, you know, they'll start to put their head down, right? Because their neck starts to feel so good. And they get, you know, kind of that sloppy lip that I love that horses get when they're really relaxed. (laughs) Yes, it's so great. Uh, You know, I I was thinking, you know, because we were talking before we got on the air about, you know, animals and their response to the treatment and how they feel about it. And I will probably mention this in almost every single podcast because I'm very interested in the emotional lives of animals and how and how things we do affect them and how they respond. And I have to say, I was really impressed with the fact that this little dog that we treated seemed to be very tolerant and very comfortable. It caused him no emotional distress. In fact, when he was done, we all told him how great he was. And he was like, I know, right? He's like, I know. I'm really good at everything. And I think that that was important. You know, we, you know, what my practice or practices that Chris and I work for, we try to be, you know, fear-free. We do our best to try to make that a fear-free experience for them. And this little dog, you know, emotionally wise was not over threshold. He tolerated it very well. Which is what we expect. Right. That's always the hardest hurdle, right? When it's sound energy, it's loud, it has mm-hmm. voice to it. And the biggest thing is that if we're calm, usually the pets are calm. It's kind of a rhythmic sound and, you know, very rarely does it cause them to go over the threshold, right? Once they get used to it, a lot of dogs will lean into it because I think it feels really good. I think so. And I think that that might be the one thing that might be is if I was an owner and didn't understand, you know, didn't know I wasn't a veterinary technician, I might go, wow, that's that's a lot of noise, but if we stay calm and the dog stays calm, then we can get through this very easily. It doesn't take, they don't have to, it doesn't have to be an unpleasant experience. These dogs can get through it and cats too, as long as, you know, yeah, if, if they think, if they're calm and you're cool, that the pet's going to be like, okay, mom's cool, this is all right. 
I do want to emphasize it is shockingly loud. No pun intended. It is a little bit loud. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, so I want to just paint that picture, you know, mm -hmm. for, but I think you guys said it perfectly that, that they, you know, don't react, meaning our patients, our, our pet friends, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I was saying too, both to both of you that even with laser, you know, oftentimes I, I use right. laser that had a beep, right. And many pet owners would say, you know, geez, I can't believe that my dog isn't reacting to that because, you know, when the, the smoke detector goes off, the refrigerator beeps, the microwave beeps, the doorbell, you know, they're reacting to all of these, what the owner thinks is a similar sound. But, you know, again, we're calm. It's just like a non-issue. And I don't think I ever had a dog react to the beep of a laser ever. I know I hear that too, though. And you hear that a lot, like sound phobic dogs, like fireworks and things like that. And they just don't. And obviously we want to make it as positive as an experience, right? So treats and peanut butter lick mats and whatever their highest reward is, is what we want to be offering them you know, mm -hmm. during the treatment. But the nice part is it only takes about two to four minutes. So we don't have much time that we need to keep them, you know, very quiet and happy and then they're done. And it was significantly shorter than the old days, you know, when we first started working with or first being introduced to shockwave treatment. How did you guys get that time down and how did you guys get your specific uh, uh, shockwave unit to be so comfortable and tolerable and shorter <laughs> in treatment. <laughs> and so it's hard to describe those who have never felt what we call the traditional trodes, right? And so it's kind of like a deep tap. And what that is, is we call it the peak energy. So it's having this peak energy and then it has a trough, right? And so what the new trode, this sedation-free trode has done, is it has actually expanded that focal volume and in effect has lowered the peak energy. So it's kind of lowered the peak and raised up the trough. So we're still delivering the same amount of energy, but much, much more comfortable. And because it's such a large focal area, so it, the depth of penetration is up to 90 millimeters, so up to nine centimeters. Wow. And about 30 to 40 millimeters wide, right? So we're just getting like a bunch of tissue volume hit at the same time. So we're just able to simulate all the cells and get in and get out as fast as possible, which makes it easy. And I think you were describing, Dr. Jen, to me that you, you always want to be as uh, circumferential as possible around these areas. So this trove, can you describe kind of what it looks like if nobody has you know, a, a concept of this and then like that you actually move it and, and just talk to us about what a treatment looks like. Correct. So the trode, which is just a fancy name for the hand piece, right? Which is actually what's touching your pet. So it has an elevated sort of rubberized tip almost. That's about, I would say, 30 millimeters wide at the point that touches you. And then it gets wider at the back and has like a handle that you hold on to. Um, and the goal is we're slowly moving it and we do want to hit circumferentially. So we want to be above and below an injury all around it. Not because it matters if we held it in one place, nothing bad would happen, we wouldn't damage any tissue. We just don't get as much of an effect because we want all the cells, which makes sense, right, in the area to initiate that healing process. So we want to be all around and getting as much recruitment as we possibly can of the cells to release those cytokines and growth factors for healing. And so you do have to use ultrasound gel because we have to transmit the sound. Oh, um, yeah. So Let's get, talk about that. 
Yeah. So we get a little lubed up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you don't have to push hard. We're just making contact. And that's going to make sure that there's no air bubbles. So that sound penetrates deeply into the tissues as much as we want. So what I'm hearing is that kind of air maybe blocks the transmission of the sound wave. So you need to have an aqueous uh, medium between the trode and the skin? Correct. Correct. So you want to make sure the trode has gelled up contact to the skin at all time. If you pick the trode up at any point and you get air in there, then the sound isn't transmitting. So that makes me think about hair because I remember even in the human world when I was treating people and, you know, let's say it was a really hairy guy. Um, Sometimes we had to, uh, or woman for that matter, we had to shave areas to make good contact in terms of an electrode or ultrasound because those had similar needs as far as good contact with the the skin. And I learned that, uh, you know, the hair actually traps air. And I imagine thinking about how furry our pet friends are that 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 would be a potential. So is shaving required to deliver this modality? It is best if you can clip the hair. You don't need to do like a surgical prep, but if you have a double-coated, very hairy dog, you are going to get better results if you're able to clip an area to make sure that the sound is transmitting. We did uh, Phoenix with, because he had very thin hair, we just used a little bit of well, actually used a fair amount of ultrasound gel, but I imagine a dog like Dr. Jens would probably need to have that, an area shaved to make better contact, right? Yes. Um, And there is, you know, conversation, right? Because obviously not every pet owner uh, loves shaving. And if for some reason you absolutely can't shave, then I recommend we use alcohol to part the hair and tons of gel to really try and eliminate that hair trapping any air in there to the best that you possibly can. So Kathy, you referred to Dr. Jen's dog who we got to see uh, before we started recording and he is a beautiful Bernice mountain dog. So yes, very fluffy, very furry. I'd like like to squish him. (laughs) We'll talk about that off the air. Okay. Okay. I think the the other thing that's that's an easier sell for me to, when I talk to clients about shockwave is that there's no need for sedation with this one. Where in the old days, you know, we had to sedate dogs, and some dogs we had to put under anesthesia because of their conditions. You know that it was going to be you know painful, but there's no need for sedation. Is that that's correct? Correct. No need for sedation. It is much more comfortable now. So and I better. would say, you know, to our previous conversation. It's never the the feeling of the shockwave. If we have patients that don't love it, it's usually because they don't like the sound. You know, they're not comfortable that way. But that has opened up, right? When you had to sedate things in the past, it's just a whole different conversation. It costs more money, more time, more people. And And really risk. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of our patients are geriatrics, right? Like that's who we're, you know, aiming for a lot in the rehab world. Mm-hmm. And so it was much more risk to have to sedate them to do this. And especially because even, you know, for five or 10 minutes. Right. And so now it's really kind of opened up the door to be able to use this more frequently because we can do it away. It's so exciting that we have so many more options for these, uh, for our, our senior population for treatment of their osteoarthritis and increasing their mobility and and improving their quality of life. It's really exciting that we have 
this available to us. Yeah, I wanted to connect those dots because we talked a lot about the nitty gritty, you know, in terms of cells and blood flow and decreasing inflammation. But, you know, what does a successful, you know, treatment outcome look like to the pet owner? And it depends on the indication, right? So if we're speaking about those shoulder tendinopathies, Achilles tendon injuries, then the successful treatment with shockwave of those is that we go on to heal, right? We don't need any more treatment for our biceps tendinopathy or our Achilles tendon. And then with the chronic pain arthritis dogs, the successful treatment goal is that we have a longer term, more comfortable pet that can hopefully reduce the need for any sort of oral pain medication for an extended period of time. Right. And mm-hmm. later in life, you know, we can improve the quality of life, right? We can improve mobility. We can improve our ability to do all the rehab exercises with them because they're more comfortable. All of those things are what make it, that's what it looks like when it's successful, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and you can give the pet owner their dog back because their lameness is reduced so they can participate in you know, family activities, they can go on walks again, they're not limping, you know, and they're just more engaged, I would, I would say in in the household, because when you're painful, and uncomfortable, you're not, I mean, it hurts, it hurts to move, it hurts to, you know, participate. So, you know, that's kind of the general, like you said, quality of life that, that we're looking to restore. I'm really excited about the fact that we could potentially either reduce the dog's medication, so maybe a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, or eliminate a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug because it can be tricky to give senior dogs long-term non-steroidal anti-inflammatories because they long-term can have side effects, other effects um, on internal organs. So the possibility of eliminating them or decreasing them to me is very exciting. Yes, because we tend to sort of pass them out not remembering how many side effects they have. Would you guys agree? Like, you know, we think they're very benign, but they're not completely benign. And a lot of dogs can't tolerate them. So to be able to me offer something non-drug, right, completely non-invasive and be off of those medications as long as we can is huge. Yeah, I think that the pet owners are, are becoming smarter and really looking for those alternatives because now you know, we, we've been educated a little bit and know that there are these side effects. And I've had, you know, pet parents say, no, I do not want my dog on any of these medications, especially long-term. And if you have a diagnosis like osteoarthritis that is managed, it's never cured, then, you know, you are looking at potential long-term drug usage. So yeah, this is fantastic. Well, and to mention that too, on the pain meds, think about cats, right? Like we don't have hardly any good pain management for cats. And we all know how much arthritis they have. That's basically, we we underdiagnose it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this to me is a really interesting thing for those kind of patients as well that don't really, you know, they can't really go on long-term NSAIDs. Right. Right. And I think, I think in cats, uh, their their soft tissue injuries or their osteoarthritis is probably underdiagnosed, and so to have an option like this is fantastic for them because we really don't have any great you know medications for cats. You know? <laughs> and they're so good at hiding it. They're so good at hiding it. I know. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to ask the million dollar question this time. Pun is intended. 
how much does this cost? What can a pet owner expect to pay? Um, and how is it priced out? In other words, um, you know, is it per treatment area? Is it per session? Can you talk about that a little bit, Dr. Jen? Yes. So the average cost per treatment, right, depending on where you're located in the world, is about $300. And that is for one area. And then usually most places will do a package, right? So if we're doing three treatments or we're doing both hips or something like that, we'll do a little discount on the other areas of the body. And I'll just put the, the plug in there about the cost because there is a lot of sticker shock, right, for pet parents when we talk about that, depending on the area. But when you're thinking about daily NSAIDs and other modalities and joint supplements, right, and all the things that we do, it fits into that yearly thing when we're talking a couple treatments per year, right? Mm -hmm. it, it fits into it better than it sometimes sounds right off the rip when I say $300 a treatment. Right. And right. when you say per area, you're, the area of pain and, and above or below, that's correct. one treatment? Correct. Okay. Is one treatment. So one hip would be one treatment, right? But the other hip is an entirely separate treatment. Okay. And you were saying that a lot of clinics will charge 300 for the first hip, and then when they treat the other hip, it might be reduced to 250 or something like that. Exactly. Sometimes, too, for that would be the same for like a tendinopathy, like, oh, we have to do three shoulders, right? We do a little, instead of $900 for three treatments, we do a little package, like a little bit more affordable because we know we're really going to need those three treatments. In my experience with packages in the rehab world is it does create that compliance and that buy-in because again, if you have that expectation that, you know, to work best, it's going to take three treatments to quote, heal that tendinopathy, then, you know, you, you really want to give the, the best um, potential for, for maximum healing and, and outcomes. So, you know, you don't want people to flake out after one because their dog is so much better. We want them to get all the way better. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, Dr. Jen, are there currently any health insurance policies that will cover or help cover the cost of this, of an alternative or shockwave therapy treatments? Yes. So I will say most of the big ones cover up to three treatments. Nice. The thing to know with your specific insurance is sometimes you do have to carry a rehab. It falls into the rehab category in some insurances. So you need that rehab rider, right? Like that little extra that, but it usually covers up to three treatments for any of the indications that we've talked about, even though it falls under that rehab world. That's good to hear. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to add? Because I feel like we've covered a, a lot here and uh, we're always interested in, you know, having our guests uh, speak to, you know, final thoughts or that pearl of information that they want to leave our, our audience with. I know we did cover a lot. It was good conversation. And I think the thing for me that I always like to end with, and we were just recently speaking about it, the, the three of us, is that this is a longer term option for our chronic pain away, those hard to treat, difficult diagnoses that is drug free. And mm -hmm. I think that that's huge. And I would like to say too, just on PulseFet specifically, you know, we are very big into the research, right? So as far as modalities go, and especially in the rehab world, we have some of the most 
published research on how effective this is to treat these things in our small animal patients. And so I think that that's huge. There's really a lot of evidence and research supporting this use, and we're doing more and more. Some at The Ohio State University, Kathy, mm-hmm. uh, in Colorado <laughs> City. <laughs> go Bucks, go Bucks. <laughs> I know. We always have to put that plug in, right? Go Bucks. And so I think that that's huge. I want pet parents and doctors to feel confident when they recommend this, that, you know, it isn't new. It isn't something we've never used before, right? We're, we're pretty confident and we have a lot of research proving that it works and that it's super safe. And I think if you remember nothing else, that it's safe and proven effective, then I feel like we I did my job here today. Right. If your veterinarian is thinking about using this as a modality, they can consult with the veterinarians on staff at PulseVet, correct? So the veterinarians can reach out for protocols and and so forth? Yes. Yes. We are available anytime. There's five of us um, spread out across the country and the world. And we're always available for questions. And if we don't know, we know the specialist to ask who might know the answer. So I have a few few comments here, ladies. One is that I belong to a vet rehab listserv. And recently there was discussion regarding Shockwave. And there were so many members that said that they would rather give up many of their other modalities than their shockwave, that their shockwave is the number one item that they like to employ with their patients, which I thought was huge because these are all the big players out there that are doing rehab um, across the the United States and and world. So that was really an aha moment for me. Mm. And then the other night, Dr. Jen, when, when we were talking, I guess what really resonated with me, unlike, let's say, a drug, you said the worst thing that can happen, which it rarely does, but the worst thing that can happen is that Shockwave does nothing. There isn't, you know, something that is potentially going to be bad. You just may not get the the result that you hope for. True? Correct. That's the the nice part. Like you said, what's really resonated is that you can't really do any harm. The worst thing that happens is it doesn't work. Right. Uh, Right. And then my final thing, when I received my treatment the other night, I challenged Dr. Jen because I have this area of pain in my neck And it's been there for at least five years. And it's painful to to the touch. It causes me to have headaches. It's painful when I move my my neck and do any stretching. I can always feel it. And I've seen multiple practitioners, massage therapists, structural integrationists, a couple different chiropractors. Um, As a physical therapist, I've, I've treated myself. And in one of those chiropractors is actually a a cervical or or neck specialist. Still been there. It's gotten better. It's gotten better, but still been there. And so I said, Dr. Jen, if you can make this spot feel better, I will be a true believer. And I was a little bit of a naysayer, you know, I'm skeptical Mm -hmm. by, by nature. And so she performed the treatment. It was a miracle. (laughs) 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 A true blue miracle. Um, It's, I haven't had a headache since, and it's been about a week. I, it's, it's, you know, not tender to the touch. I can move my head in all different directions and stretch my neck. It is amazing. And I would love to have another treatment very soon. That's all I have to say. 
<laughs> I was just thinking, Chris, we we need to get you another treatment in the next week or so. So I will. We are going to hook you up with Christian at least at the minimum because you are feeling so good, and we want to continue the the yes! feel. Yes! <laughs> That's right. right. Oh, well, awesome. Dr. Jen, thank you so much. We learned so much today. And if you could just let our audience know, where can they find you? So if they want to find me, they can actually go to pulsefat.com. And my information is on there as well as a bunch of research and videos and all sorts of useful information that they can find. And you can also find out if you're a pet parent where a shockwave might be near you if this is something you're interested in. So we have a find a vet feature on there that will also link you up with vets in your area that can offer you this treatment. Wow. So it sounds like pulsevet.com is a a great resource. Can you spell that just so people Yes, it is P-U-L-S-E-V-E-T dot com. Awesome. Thank you. You are welcome. You guys are so lovely. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you, Jack. No, thank you very much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for thank being you. here. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. For more information about Kathy's books and living with blind dogs, please visit EnableYourPet.com. Thank you, and please tune in next time.